morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon here with <laughs> Bad Mood Lou. <laughs> Come on, stop it. <laughs> can't help it. It's not like I, I don't already I'm have that reputation. I'm taking humor in your pain because you're not my client. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said I'm going to take some humor in your pain because oh, okay. you're not my client. You, What is wrong today? I can't. Is there, why, okay, so first of all, I'm on time, we're on a new day just today You're and next week, time. oh, I've got so many schedule changes, but okay. anyway, and then I'm only four hot seconds downstairs, and you, like, miss me so much, you came looking for me in the lobby, because you were worried I was locked out. <laughs> well, so, sometimes people get locked out, because Alex has got stuff to do, she's away from the desk. And I know people... the code to get in. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you actually gave it to me. I, Okay. It's entirely possible. A long time ago. <laughs> so I anyway, was looking out for you. Can't we just leave it at that? I was looking out for you. You, oh yeah, you were being loving yeah. and kind and compassionate. What's the matter today? We're on two weeks in a row of. We've only got forty minutes, so we can We've only got forty forty-five minutes. We can't go into that. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So today's a um, early show in the week again because i have something with the new england patriots this week so yes. i won't be able to be here on wednesday so here we are today can you find out who the week one starter is going to be while you're down there uh, mm. ask bill <laughs> sure i'll tell you <laughs> i will not say anything i will be quiet as a church mouse i see just zip. just just listen intently i keep an ear out yeah or two um, but so I want to make I think sure I know that I, the week one start is going to be link up yet for um, the New England Patriots Foundation for my Boston Marathon charity. Did I miss information that you sent me? No. Okay. I haven't sent you anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will today though. So, yep. um, but this week is obviously today, and then next week I will be coming live from Montana. God willing, yes. God, oh, jeez. See, <laughs> no, it's fine. This is not good faith. This I is do this problem, all the time, my so. friend. Yeah, you're supposed to be a spot on this, the professional. Well, who's going to come live from Montana? Let's wait and see if I am a spot on this before Big we sky. start worrying about it. <laughs> oh boy. So, but it will be on a different day. You know that, right, Lou? No. Yes, well, Lou. We're doing a different day. I can't do Wednesday because I will be traveling on Wednesday. Oh, I see. So we must do Thursday. So we'll work that out. But okay. we will keep everyone posted. It will be probably Thursday. All right. That's when it's going to be. And there's a two-hour time difference. So we will be discussing that as well. All right. Um, but we will keep everyone posted. Did someone just come in the studio? Yes. Is it the person still there? I, yes. Do you need to talk to them? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you. It's only the middle of my show. It's all good. <laughs> now, did someone just come in to tell you there's donuts downstairs? That's what we got interrupted for. I saw that box on the table. There's a huge box of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Clearly, the show is going off the rails already this morning. Awesome. Losing a bad mood. I'm not in a bad mood. In the, okay. Go have a donut. I'll take over. Oh, God, no, I can't you, have a donut. You know that you should definitely have a donut on my watch. That will help you. Let's see. Go get one and let me criticize you for the next 40 minutes. No. <laughs> It's the last thing I need. I'll make you happy. Last thing I need right now. Okay. So, seriousness. What are we talking about today? We are talking today about, well, I thought we'd talk about doing things for others and how it makes us feel good and altruism. Yeah. Did we ever talk about altruism? No. 
I don't think we've ever. No, I it's think a we've great talked subject. about doing things for others and what it does for us. But you know, in in the past month, <laughs> I have done a lot. Um, and I'm not saying like to pat myself on the back, but you know, I was having a conversation this weekend with some people talking about when you do for others and how often do you do things for others and what it gives you back and you know and yep. what if people don't say thank you or what if people are appreciative and does it matter and you know so it came up that altruism is there truly altruism in the world like you're doing something for the benefit of another without any expectation of anything coming back to you well it's and, funny because we, as just talking about this as being a benefit to ourselves is not that's not altruism well, we're talking about the benefits to ourselves of altruism. Well, so so the thing is, is if yeah. you're doing something for someone else without the expectation of it coming back to you in some way, that that in fact is altruism. But is there a truly genuine altruism? Because you're always getting something back because you're getting a sense of accomplishment or you're getting right. a sense of purpose or you're doing something, you know, when you do an anonymous donation or you do something really nice for someone, whatever it is. Right. You're doing it for the benefit of someone else, but you're also always getting something back. So it's the philosophy and the, you know, that that wonderful debate that you had in, in uh, philosophy 101 in college of, is there truly this side versus that side? And can it be pure? And yep. so what do you think? Can you, can you have all the wonderful things of doing for others without the benefit, like going into it just to get the benefit of getting a kudo back? My answer is... No, it's not possible, but it's okay. okay. Well, of course it's okay, right? Yeah. But it's it's a matter of like the agenda, I guess. If you're doing it to get the kudo back, then what does that mean? Well, no, it can be more subtle than that, don't you think? Describe, please. Um, I, just a simple act of holding the door open for somebody. Right. You're not necessarily expecting a thank you. There's certainly no um, tangible reward even if you get the thank you well i actually it. do expect someone to thank me not because i know <laughs> we've run into this before. which is why when they do walk past me yeah. and i'm holding the door for someone they don't thank me i'm like you're welcome <laughs> yeah yeah but you're not looking for a big payback you're kind of doing right. it to be a good person well actually maybe you're looking back maybe you're doing it for the self um imagery Ooh. in other words to make yourself look good to feel better about yourself. Okay, so the self-esteem, so the inner, yeah. the inner self on that, sure. But I think so. See, this is the this is the circular yeah, debate exactly, about yeah. this. It's like, well, then, are you doing that consciously, or is it just something that in the moment you need, so you just do the thing that is going to get you that, and then you get the you get your cup filled up, and then you move forward. Well, everybody who does things, everybody who does things for people, charity work, whatever it is, they will cite for you what they get out of it. They will, and it's not necessarily a payment. It's not uh, input from somebody else. It's that feeling that they get from doing it. Right. The reward, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Well, you so so where does the line drop? Because then you have people that do it for the reward, but then they're also looking for the kudo. Yeah, well, that's a different thing. And then that's not altruism. No. So people get really upset with. And they're I doing it to get, tell them. I can get the pat on the back yeah. in, in addition to the feeling of doing something for someone else. And there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. And and then it comes into the, the second part of this conversation about humility and having being humble of, are you doing it for the benefit of just, you know, 
happiness. And it's okay to be happy about it, or you're doing it to fill your cup up and then get pats yeah. on the back and have everyone know about it. Yeah, or you're doing it to use it in an argument going forward. <laughs> I was at that. I was at that uh, riot, or I was at that protest the other day. What are you doing? You know, getting that that sense of moral superiority. You and were you taking the stance of moral superiority? Yeah. Oh. I was there. What were you doing? God. I care. You don't. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Is that what it is? <laughs> I can see this sometimes, going right to... Sometimes it is. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's and that's part of that is that I think that people... Well, there's so many things that just went flying through my head mm. about that because... And I'm censoring because <laughs> I'm censoring. That's yeah. why I'm stalling. Um, there's so many pieces of that that when a person is putting themselves out there and then taking that stance of like, I was there. Were you? I was helping. Were you? It's that. Uh, does it? I put a badge on my Facebook picture. What about you? I voted. <laughs> There's so much virtue signaling nowadays. I'm just gonna drink my coffee. Well, I'm sorry. It's the reality of human nature. Is this part of the reason why you're in a not great space today? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm in a fine I'm space. Getting, I'm getting sidetracked <laughs> because I I feel the agenda of yours leaking in. Yeah, well. I can feel us pushing there. I did. I did kind of run down that avenue in this show for me to tell you all the issues, and I can feel them leaking into the show. (laughs) I didn't even know what we were talking about about this day, but it's certainly pulling for your stuff. That was unrelated, but I did rush down that street. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. So coming back to the street that I was on, um, but the, I think that adding in the moral high ground or people taking certain stances when you're adding it into being humble and well, that wouldn't necessarily be humble or when you're adding it into being altruistic um do they all fit in the do they all fit in the same cup do they all fit in the same space and can they without it becoming um a problem i i mean i know so I, one of the things i i have been working on with with some of my patients is when you do something for someone if you're looking for that that extra hey thank you so much and then all the extra credit and for them the the people to tell someone else to tell someone else that you've done it you can't or or you can't get the kudo back in the way that you're looking for how do you be humble enough to just be satisfied with what you've already done yeah because you know when we go back to here we go talking about addiction again right um when you're talking to people in addiction or doing addiction work with people who are trying to be in recovery, being humble or having humility is such a big piece of that work for a person who's trying to be in recovery because yep. they so many times feel slighted or feel um, that they're not good enough with how they've done something for another or they've done something for themselves that makes them um, feel okay or they've gone out of the way to help someone else in recovery and then they yeah. don't get the appreciation back for it. And I say, well, it's just that you're giving, you're giving of yourself. You're giving that peace and you have to be within oneself, yourself, to be able to say, hey, I did something. An internal, again, internal, not yeah. external, the internal satisfaction of, of doing that versus getting someone on the external to say, good job, and then telling everybody else in the world, which people, you know, drives that inferiority complex that people have that comes along with, you know, yeah high anxiety or, or addiction problems or whatever the ism is that, you know, whether it's anxiety-ism mm-hmm. or, or the ism of, you know, gambling, sex, drugs, you know, whatever it is. Addiction is particularly interesting in this regard because 
all addicts will tell stories of the way that they have wronged people. Yes. And they part of their recovery is dealing with that. Right. And facing those issues. Right. And I think a lot of times um, the drive to help other people in addiction is uh, penance, is assuaging, assuaging guilt for yes. the past wrongs they've done to family members more often than not, but certainly loved ones. Well, over the course it, of their addiction. Well, it's it's that giving back. So, like, if you if you look at any of the A groups, you know, AA, NA, GA, CODA, uh, right? All of that is each other. You know, it's the it's the companionship of the universal shared experience and yep. the camaraderie of everyone giving back to each other because everyone has that shared experience where they can get support. Where, as in a family, you might not have that because you've burned some bridges and you have to make amends, and sometimes right. you can't. So. You get it out of the groups and coming together to have the, I love that word, assuage. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're doing that to make sure that you feel like you can contribute back your experience of I, I I did these wrongs, and here's how I'm making it up for that, and I'm also educating other people on my experience to make it, you know, a benefit so that someone knows that I you're not alone. Someone knows that I've been there. Someone knows that you know here's how I help myself. Um, you know, and that goes to the altruism and that's where it came up actually last week for me was I was teaching my college class on, on, um, a theory, Eric Erickson's developmental theory and how in the first few years of life, guilt and shame are set in place on the, on the scale of the continuum of, of socializing with parents and coaches and teachers and all that stuff in the first like five or six years of life, Sure. that guilt and shame get set in place on the, um, when you know when you when a child takes initiative or a child tries to be industrious at their age appropriateness, or they're having independence, you know, at one and two years old, it's age appropriate, and the parent doesn't allow for that. It's usually parents, you know, it's always their fault, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, it, yeah. it's 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 that it's that that piece that gets set in motion already at that that very time for someone to kind of start this cycle of addiction, to start the mindset of I'm not enough, yep. and that sits there, and then. You know, how do you, how do you help someone that is an adult that comes from that, which many people do with, you know, humility and altruism and just helping to help because you know there's a struggle there without getting yourself in the way. So full circle coming around to when you're talking to people in addiction, like in a group, they're all, they're all in that same space trying to help each other. And it's about humility. So that's where the humility comes in is when you're trying to help someone, but you're all in the same kind of universal shared experience. How do you do that? Yeah. And it's it's interesting to watch because so many people's stuff gets in the way. Oh, God, yeah. You what? I said, oh, God, yeah. But yeah. that begs the question, though. And again, I'm going to stick with my answer. Do humans ever do anything that's quote-unquote altruistic, that has no personal return, because I don't think they do, but I think that's okay. I think that's human nature. The level of that return and the quality of that return can vary, but everybody's wants something, whether it's um, amends, you know, karmic amends or just, you know, karmic performance altogether. Right. Well, I th and I think that I just want I, to be a good person because I'll feel better about myself. I'm a right, good person. and I think that giving yourself that kudo in your own head to say it's okay to feel that way. I think people beat themselves up to say, "Oh, I yeah. don't want to take credit for something or whatever." But if you're doing it internally, though, I mean, you're getting a benefit, and there's nothing wrong with being humble yourself to say it's okay to feel that way inside. Um, it's when it's you know the 
It's the outward expression that gets over the top of the inferiority complex that comes out of someone having to constantly seek out, like, look at what I did, look at what I did, look at what I did, um, that gets a person in trouble because their cup is never being filled up. So the humility of living life on life's terms on a daily basis isn't there. So, um, Although, now that we're processing this, yes, I'm going to come back. Okay. I, I, for me, I believe parenting was an altruistic experience for me. Okay, for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just saying that humans in general. What made you think of that? Well, I, we were working on the debate whether humans ever do anything that's that's doesn't have a personal reward. Right. And I don't remember feeling that way about parenting. It was like hey, it's for the kids, you know. Everything's mm -hmm. for the kids. The kids were the focus, and you know, I don't remember ever worrying about what was coming back for me. I mean. I, I probably did in terms of my relationship with my kids. Obviously, kids not struggling and that type of thing. But that, right. That but comes... you weren't actively thinking about it. It no. wasn't like you were actively saying, "Oh, I'm going to do this because it's going to get me that." If I ever did anything altruistically in my life, purely altruistically, that was the closest thing I would think. Mm -hmm. Just being a dad. Now, does it change when they're adults now for you? No. So it's still the same thing. Yeah. Right. So, so maybe maybe that's one of the more pure pure aspects of it. You know, you, nothing's ever quite the same as being a parent, right? So, maybe well, so if I could do it in that instance, I'm guessing people can do it in other instances, be purely altruistic. Yes, I, I mean, I would I would imagine so. I mean, I can think of examples. Or as close that's as close or to or it close as, as yeah, 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 right, as close as you can get to that. Because certainly, I can think of examples. Sure, that would be close. I'm like ramping through my head thinking of all the different things but yeah. it's but I think that being a parent sure for the most part I mean there are those exceptions to the rule but I think for the most part I probably think that that's the closest you can come yeah because you're not thinking about it consciously you're not every day going if I do this it will get me that you know baby is a baby a baby what is the baby going to do right they're not going to give you like the feedback other than just being happy and healthy um, to give you back what you putting in and oftentimes with an infant and a mother for example first-time mother a lot of that is behind closed doors you're not getting people aren't seeing what you're doing what your sacrifices right. are things right. like that exactly yeah. so but that's a good example so I'm gonna definitely use that in my class <laughs> so because that's that's something that really doesn't ever come up it's I think when people talk about altruism and doing things for others it's you know much more in the adult world of just being you know holding the door open for someone or giving yeah. to someone or doing something charitable for someone. But that shows, when I started this conversation, I weren't sure humans are capable. And that shows the capability. Of course, yes. it's primarily wired in us. Well, it's yes. survival of the species. We have, you have to be that way. Well, there's a built-in Parents have to be to that. that way. So if you're talking about parenting, and in my head I keep going, good parenting. Talking, of course. If yeah. you're talking about good parenting and, and healthy parenting, there's a built-in humility there because it's a, it's a love given without expectation of return in 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 any given way as the child is the, you know an infant can't return to you in the same way but they they're give, they're filling your cup up because you're helping develop something you're helping grow something so I think that that's a great example yeah. of humility without having to try. Is it just evolutionary though? Well, oh, it's a new little twist on this. Because, again, it's a survival. It I would imagine it's hardwired in to have that. It's a survival prerequisite for the species, right? Right. right. So that, because, right. Because the mother has to right. jump in front of the bear. We're back to the bear. But the, the bear in the back of the cave. Yeah, the mother has to jump in front of the bear to protect the child. Yes. 
That's yes. Dead. Well, I'm going to have to process that in my head more because I hadn't thought of that example. Yeah. It's a great example. Not the bear in the back of the cave, but the, yeah. it, I, I mean, Parenting I would imagine bear. just knowing scientifically, right, that it would be driven that humility in parenting is there naturally mm-hmm. because you have to be. Not only there naturally. I, I'm not sure it's, it's required. It's Again, I think it's evolutionary. Those who didn't, people who didn't have those traits didn't. Well, it's a, it's a, that, that, that would feed into the survive. nurturing. If you're yeah. not a nurturer, or which there's so many of, the, so many of that in the yeah. world. Well, we've bypassed evolution in today's society. Right. It's not required for survival anymore. True. It is, but it isn't. It's required other things, for... Other things can compensate for it, so you don't have to actually have that, yeah. which is how you end up with kids who have severe issues at times because they're lacking well let me bring up an example oh here we go no no it's kind of funny Uh, you've heard these commercials yes right about leaving a kid in the car yes have you heard these commercials and i I love the you don't have to be a bad parent to leave a kid in the car right and they had 24 kids died of heat stroke vehicle induced heat stroke last year and it's like no you don't have to be a bad parent to leave a kid in the car but geez (laughs) right but in the past in the distant... Except for that one guy who did leave his kid in the car because he wanted the child to die so he could divorce his wife so that he could get married oh, to the girl God. he was having the affair with. You remember that? Yeah, see. But he wasn't a bad parent, according to him. He just did it by accident. Oh, God. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, go ahead. But in the past, bad parenting or not disinterested parenting, uh, non-altruistic parenting, the child died majority of the time. Yes. Right? Of course, in today's society, not so much, so... You can be non-altruistic as a parent, and the child can still survive and become a well, I think, non-altruistic I mean, parent in her own right. I mean, I think that outside of leaving your kid in a hot car, yeah. I mean, kids are really resilient. Yep. So the altruism from a parent or a parenting figure doesn't need to be there necessarily as long as they have it somewhere in their life. To survive, to thrive, it has well, to be there. thriving is different. Yeah. So The kid's and, not going to die, but he's going to be messed up. Right. Well, and that's and that goes yeah. to the addiction piece is that that's what I was saying, like from zero to six, it's setting up, you know, you're setting up an environment for thrive versus survive. Kids will survive. They're resilient. But the thrive piece isn't there. And kids who grow up in that environment where there's and it's not neglect. It's always it's deficit. It's the nurturing wasn't to the capacity that was needed to help the child right. get to the next, you know, or it was over. You know, I always tell people, be careful of over nurturing, you know, people that smother and. And helicopter and all that because that leads down that path too because the independence you're taking the autonomy away from the child because it's their you're you're overtaking their industriousness to be able to do and then they get very dependent and then everything is you know i mean that's the that's the whole millennial yeah entitlement issue around um feeling deserved for everything that i'm owed why can't you know i'm gonna wait and sit here and not get it you know get a job until i get the hundred thousand dollar a year job but they have no work experience or they have it's just that entitlement piece across the board because the nurturing you know it always comes back the width and breadth of that caregivers what the width and breadth of that right now is stunning yes and it's because we're several generations in yes at this point we've got kids that were raised that way raising kids now right and it's just it's become exponential and it's become it's multi-generational now well and, and i and i think that to put it in context of that altruistic piece right is that when when parents in that in context of millennials 
are giving to the point where they want to just be friends with their kids. I mean, it's sort of th- it's like a cycle of throwback to the seventies or yeah. you know, like the early seventies. But that's I, not altruistic. I didn't have that growing up. But that's not altruistic. No, that's self-serving. Well, right, but it's but it's under the guise of being altruistic yeah. that we're trying to you know, but it's not, and no. that's where it's there's the no, it's path of least resistance. Head. It's path of least resistance. That's what they're doing. Exactly. So you end up having a child who, or children who end up not understanding that they actually have to, they have to give and to get and they have to do and they have to be motivated and they have to stay motivated and they have to have good role models. But if a parent is always friending them and making them entitled to everything and expecting that, well, you don't do that without getting something in return. That's not how you set kids up for thriving. You have to have kids go out and do things with nothing in return. Just but the, the, the base... value of being happy that they did something good for themselves, good for someone else, good for something else. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of giving parents who are in this lack of thrive space the the job of you know go to the food pantry and serve a meal with your child once a month or do think because people are not. Yep. In that frame, doing things that are healthy to help others that will help themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they don't have that experience because the expectation is to come back on oneself. Yeah, it's I'm, now I'm depressed. You're what? Now I'm depressed. I'm sorry. Because you, no, you, see, you see it so much. Uh-huh. It's just sometimes you have to oppose the child. Sometimes you have to curb the child. Sometimes you have to push the child. It's, it, and that's the real altruistic part of it because there's no reward in that for you mm-hmm. having tension between you and your child making the child do something they don't want to do there's no reward in that for you well it's it's, it's holding you know holding a holding a person a little person to task mm-hmm. and and not falling down on the expectation i i can't tell you how many people over the 26 years of doing my career say oh well it's just so much work to have to keep on top of them to do the right yeah. thing. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, yeah. And and then you know, the then the kid is you know 15 and they can't understand why the kid's disrespecting them or doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. And then the parent you know says, well, I told them that, to do this. I told them to do that. But did you follow through? Yeah. Did you have you know? And that's part of the giving and, and humility of being a parent. You know, talk about. Like you have to be able to follow through, and so that you're you don't have the shortcoming of being like, well, oh well. Yep. Plus, uh, by the way, what they're dealing with at sixteen, they should have been dealing with at nine. You, you or don't. Five. You don't, or five. Yeah, right. you don't deal with sixteen-year-old problems. Nine, usually, at, it's too late. Right. For that. When you you don't deal with sixteen-year-old problems at sixteen years old, you deal with sixteen-year-old problems at five or six or seven. Or, That's right. You deal with sixteen-year-old well, problems in, throughout. In, and you and all this, that's what I'm saying is like so addiction starts addiction starts at two three four and five and people are like oh I never ever that can't possibly be I never I never picked up anything till I was 18 years old and yeah the reason why you become active in addiction is because whatever set you up for a deficit back in the thriving years is triggered by the thing that happens at 16 or 17 or 18 and now it's there. Or the same patterns are there, the the need for something, whether right. it be that toy, whether it be to watch that show, because it's escapism. It's, right. it's um, easing the pain through gratification, of external gratification. Well, exactly. And, so and it starts with a toy, and then it ends up in heroin. Well, one of the... Not that everybody's on that path. Well, I'm not saying one, that. One but, of yeah. the... 
humorous moments of my class, even though it's very serious that I've been, that I teach, you know, I teach the, I teach counselors how to become counselors in addiction. So, um, they're getting their, their advanced degrees in this. And so, um, I have a couple of people in class right now that they've had maybe the last two counselors, non-addictive counselors. Do what? Non-addictive counselors. They're not addicted. Okay. So they're so they're these are just students who are becoming yeah. therapists for for addiction. Yep. And one of the standouts, uh, time and again, for a couple of students, and they've had me for the past couple of semesters, is how they're par they are parents themselves, and how they're like, or you know, they feel like they've messed up their kids when they we start talking about setting their kids up yeah. for addiction because you know they're still little and they're trying to be like, oh my god, do I still have time to fix this? Yep. And I always say yes, but you know, if they're young enough, but the whole example of when a child is you know no bing my rule is no binkies no pacifiers after like nine months old why because there's a problem even then it's yeah. that's pushing the limit you know and yep. somebody with pediatrics foundation will say other things but psychologically the setup for a child to have to use a binky which is what you see is the child cries and instead of what the cry, the cry is for something yep but instead of it getting the need met for what it actually is, whether it needs to be changed or loved or hugged or whatever, the parents of today, no offense parents, but they stick the binky in the mouth. And I saw a four-year-old in the airport two weeks ago Yeah. now standing with the binky in her mouth. And I was like, oh my, because it's that, you know, but now here's the oral fixation and go Freud here, you know, that you're setting up the, 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 there's no self-soothing other than something external that has to do right. that. And that's what the binky does. So very loosely, you're not helping any child with how to be in the world if you're sticking yeah. something in their mouth to shut them up, essentially. Yeah, don't so, deal with it. Take the binky. Right. So yeah. what is what is the child crying for? What is a child asking for, being fussy over? Well, figure it out and don't take that path of least resistance. Have the altruism enough to just be like, I got to figure this out so that I can help them without. But it's like, oh, OK, well, I help them. I put the binky in their mouth and now they're five. <laughs> and then we wonder why it, yep. at 15 they're smoking cigarettes and drinking and and doing other kinds of things that yeah. get them in trouble. And people don't realize that how important it is to give to your children those pieces early on to not go, ah, well, it doesn't really matter. Why bother? You know, it's just so much work. Yep. Well, yeah, but that so much work gets you into trouble down the line. Right? Plus, yeah, well, yes. I mean, and that's the self-serving explanation of why you should do it. But there's a there's another explanation. It's just raise your kids right. Is what? Put the work in and raise your kids right. Right. Yeah. But look, I mean. I mean, you're talking about doing it so you don't get the problems when they're 15, and that's fine. That's a that's a great parent shouldn't well, want that problem. That's one of the yeah. reasons why. Yeah. But it, that's the self-serving reason. The real reason is raise the kid right. Give them the tools to cope in the world. Well, what I find is, and I'm sure, you know, I know you and I have had this conversation several times, is that usually parents who are not giving their kids the tools is because the parents don't have the tools themselves because they don't even recognize it in themselves that this is a problem. Yeah. Or, and I'm sure you see this a lot, it, there's the whole reverse thing. Yes. It's like, I went through this as a child. My child's not going through it. Yes. So I don't want yeah. them to have the things that I had in that problem. Right. 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 I, see, I mean, I definitely see that. People have come to grips with their upbringing and understand where the deficiencies were often right. turn around and say, not my kid. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. I certainly, I mean, when I was growing up and later I was like, oh, if I ever have children, I'm never, 
I'm never right. doing this. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think we all do that. Or I'm never going to be like that. Or I'm never going to be like my parent or whatever. I think, but it's about having good, you know, good, strong balance and trying to really be mindful of what you're giving or not giving to your child. Yeah. But if you lose control at five and you're dealing with it at 16, mm, you know, and over loving your children is enabling them. And, and I that's not help. It, that's not altruistic. And I recognize the challenge is different for each kid because it, obviously sometimes this sounds like if you raise your kid right from one, two, three, four, five, everything's going to be fine. Well, right. kids have challenges. They're, right. they're not all the same. Right. They don't have the same cap coping capabilities. Right. So they need, you know, there's not one formula. Right. So well, you, you can do everything right, and still the child can have some struggles. There's no there's yeah. no perfect. Yeah. And so the, so that's the thing is, and that's what I talk about in my class is there's no perfect. All parents are going to mess up. All kids are not going to be perfect. But you do have a, a formula of if you have reasonably high expectations that are meeting the child in front of you and their temperament and their needs and their whatever, along with healthy praise and and kudos for what they do and yeah. healthy consequences for things that are not punishment but consequences for behaviors then you're setting your child up for being a good person being a healthy person being all the things that they can possibly be but they're going to come out with little fractures here and there yeah. because you're going to yell at them some days you're going to say something whatever but it's about do you come back and say oh my god i did that i'm so sorry versus parents who are like i don't apologize for anything they're a kid and that's those are the damages get accumulated for yeah. example and that's you know, that's not in a, and that happened, I mean, those, you know, people we talk about addiction, there's so much damage in the mindset and the narrative of, of an, a, an active addict's mind that that's yep. where it gets stuck is that there's that I'm so damaged. I wasn't good enough. The underlying piece of that, mm -hmm. I wasn't enough. And that comes from parents' messages of you're not enough. Or it wasn't, you weren't, you, you didn't tie your shoe right enough. You didn't walk down the stairs fast enough. Yep. I had to feed you till you were full. Like, whatever it is, there's all these little things that the perception of the person makes, and then they're off to the races. Um, Anything can be taken to an extreme. You hit on two pillars that were, yeah. were really forward in my mind while I was raising my kids, one of which was kids rise or fall to expectations. Yes. But their expectations, of course, have to be reasonable. Yes, and, reasonable. Right. But you, you have this responsibility. You know, put and they will, you know, kids for the most part will rise to reasonable expectations. Right. And the other thing was, I never wanted them to feel punished. I right. wanted them to have a consequence. Right. In other words, you can make the choice you want to make, but here's what's going to happen. Right. So that whenever there was a bad outcome, they, they wanted to stay up late, but well, you're still going to school in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So exactly. I didn't punish them. By making them go to school, no, they suffered the consequences of staying up late of the choice that they made. Yeah, you right. know, you don't get up in the morning and say, "I'm tired, I'm not going." Nope, that, exactly. That's a choice you made. Well, because because the the expectation was set, and so you know, sometimes there are punishments, but by and large, it's it's that thing I always say about you have two hard choices: to do the right thing is a hard choice, and to do the wrong thing is is hard as well. So. Yeah. Both are hard. One is going to lead you down an easy road and get you more of the yucky outcome, and one is going to lead you down a harder road, but it's going to lead to the outcome that you really want. One is harder. One is easier, but it's still hard. They're right. both hard choices. And, and um, 
you're going to have a consequence for all those things and people don't like consequences and right. so going to the parenting of like protecting a child from consequences of like oh it's okay and oh we've already talked about it enough and let's let's uh, just go have an ice cream this is not this is we don't reward that's a reward you turn it into a reward right exactly. um like okay you know it, there's a difference between struggling for an hour doing a math problem and saying let's go take a walk and have an ice cream we'll come back to the math problem that's not the same thing as someone doing something getting in trouble for it and then being like okay well we've talked about enough let's not talk about it anymore let's go get ice cream because now you're just being like oh right. well I, what i said is fine yeah. and it doesn't really count you don't have to step up and do anything so we're going to go reward it now because we talked about it but yeah. then you have the same thing repeating and so you're really not giving talk about altruism right you're not giving what you need to be giving to a person or a child right you're it's in the benefit of making it easier for you right <laughs> to not have to deal and i hear that at least three or four times a week parents say oh my god it's so much effort why did you have kids then yeah you know because it was going to be easy see there should be big courses on how to have children in this world you know uh, you know the it old was, saying Anna reeves made a great uh, he had a great line and i can't remember if it was i think it was um oh god it was a movie with uh diane weist and Oh, it, the movie will come to me, but he ended up saying, you know, they, you know, they, they have you have to have a license to own a dog, but you can't, but you have don't right. have to have anything to have a child, and you know, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, you can tell how people are going to be with how they treat their pets at many times because it's just you know, yeah. oh, did you feed the dog today? Huh? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean. You know, did you feed the fish? Oh, the fish tank is disgusting. Oh, the fish, are they even alive? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, you can see. Well, you can also see in how they're, for example, how their dogs behave, how they raise their dogs. And right. the, the work that they're willing to put in, you know, to you and you've got the, well, help and the dog out, by the right, way. Right, you've got, you know, the authoritative, which is what I'm saying is like the best kind, which is, you know, you're, you have good expectations, you, know, you set the rules and boundaries, and you give lots of love, and then you have a mutual respect, and it works great. Yep. But then you have the authoritarian, which is, you know, mean, demanding, strict, do as I say, not as I do, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the you know the permissive and indulgent and it's we yeah. all over the place and then that's where you end up with you you end up with problems with those three types the permissive the indulgent and then the authoritarian because you're going to have kids that are going to be all over the map and and we know research wise it sets every kid up for delinquency of some sort or or poor choices and um you know rebellion well, I'm biased, early and I'm sure. sexual behaviors, I'm early drinking. I'm biased, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. It goes back to what we laughed about last week, where some of y'all never been on a team, and yes. it shows. Right. And setting up the family as a team, yes. giving responsibility, again, realistic and things they can accomplish, and right. then praising them for holding up their responsibility exactly. and doing what they need to do. But the fact of the matter is we're not buddies. Right. Um, I'm the parent. You're the child. Right. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. People see that as people see that as bad nowadays. And it's like it's got to be that way. Well, it's the only way it works. The, well, right. Because the psychology is that that children need boundaries and they need structure. Yeah. And when you lack it with the parenting, and it gives, it's you know free for all of friendship. It does not go well because there's no equal there. And it's it's about you know when I when I help parents parent it's your parent in the early years 
then you become a mentor in the teenage years, right. and then you become a consultant in the adult years. And knowing those roles shifts you. But I see so many parents who are in their first 10, 12 years of parenting that just want to be a consultant and a friend. Yeah. And it's like, and then you, you, they wonder why their kids are running amok and they don't make their beds and they don't know how to clean their room and they don't know how to do laundry. Right. Not even do they don't know how, but they won't. Yeah. Because, well, my parent does that for me or someone else will. I don't have to do that. But and think then, about think about going through lives. Think about being in work. Think Thinking of being out there in the world, and many of us are, and often there are situations like that. But think of being wherever you are and not knowing what the expectations are, mm -hmm. not knowing what you need to do to succeed, not knowing what necessarily is right and what is wrong. Right. A lot of kids are raised that way. Right. You know, that's well, why, they, that's why I think they like structure. They're going to kick at it all day long. Right. They're going to tell you they don't like it. But the idea of, listen, you got to get this done today, or this is your responsibility, and then they do it, and they go, hey, great job. And then, phew, you know, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I, I get to do it. And I think, I think that the, the role modeling piece is there, but also the piece of, you know, parents don't follow through. Oh, yeah. The, the, the lack of follow through is like, I, you know, I hear this a lot, is like, oh, I told them to do it. And I'm like, well, what happened? Well, they were supposed to do it. I'm like, they're 11. <laughs> Yeah. You actually have to follow through. You have to go back and check to see if they did it. It's not just I told them. They're not a, an adult. So the, you know, that's, you know, this is where procrastination and demotivation gets taught in kids is that, well, if no one's there to follow through and I don't have to make any, uh, you know, conscious effort to do it because yeah. no one's going to check on it, why bother? So it's monkey see, monkey do. So if you've got that role modeling or, role modeling or lack of role modeling. Lesson number one is action consequence. Yep. Didn't do the dishes, get out of bed, come on. Right. Because yeah, right. they got to get done. Yeah. Right? Right. That's your job. But, right. But it's about having people understand that they actually have to require their kids to do those things. Yeah. I, I set these, these, and you're not mad for you're, kids all the time, and families are like, what do you mean my 10 year old should know how to like make toast and, and cook and boil water? I'm like, mm, and yeah. do their own bed. And like, wh yeah. where was this skill not at like seven and six? Like, and it's not punishment. Again, you don't present no, it as punishment. Like in, fact, in fact, you'd be very dispassionate about it. Bed's got to be made. Get off the video game. Get it done. Right. You had a chance to or do it this no morning. there's no video games till all these things are done. Right, exactly. Then there's video games, right. which is the yeah. structure. It's like you can have all the things, but it's just about you have some jobs to do. Yeah. Um, but so many parents feel the need to not have their children feel the stress of having to do. And no, my commentary is when they get to college they're going to have a roommate that's going to socially norm them right into some other space because you know that that happens. I mean, I see that all the time as kids have issues and they haven't been taught and required. They go to college and yep. I get calls all the time of like how they're struggling because their roommate has kicked them out or there's like an issue in the room yep. or they had to go off campus for housing because the camp, you know, the campus doesn't want them on campus anymore yeah. because of some of these issues. It's like, oh. You know, again, they weren't taught. Roommates are a team. Right. You know, your roommate's not your mother. Exactly. She's not going to let you slide on that. Mm hmm Yeah. Especially when you're sharing such a small space. Yep. And that's, I mean, so it comes all back to the altruistic spaces, like giving and taking from each other in a healthy way. It's the reciprocity, the back and forth of that, and being able to really do that in a healthy way. So that's my story this week, Lou. Yes. And I'm sticking to it. And then you're on the road. And then I'm on the road, on the road again. <laughs> Just can't wait to get on the road again. Okay, so next week, <laughs> Lou's laughing at me. You didn't like my song? No, it's fine. I thought it was good. Yep. I'm doing my 
I need my little cowboy hat. <laughs> um, but next week, I will be coming to you somewhat live if Lou figures it out. I'll figure it from out. From Big Sky, Montana. That's where I'll be. So, um, and I will make sure that Lou announces when and what time that will be next Thursday because it surprised him today that it's going to be Thursday. No, in retrospect, I understand we talked about it. So Yes. Yeah. And also, we will be putting up a link because I do need to raise $9,750 more because I had two lovely donations last nice. week that was fantastic. Um, for the Boston Marathon that is October 11th that I must raise for the New England Patriot Foundation. Nice. So I will be putting it up there so that people can click on the link and please give me as much money as your hearts will give and be <laughs> altruistic because it'll make you feel good. You can do it anonymously because you love me or you just want me to stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, have a great week and go out there and do something kind and loving for someone. All right, 